So when I was younger, I had a stereo system and I liked to rock a lot. My tapes, had my records, and quite often, particularly when I was in high school and I had my stereo in my room turned up high listening to, I don't know, Van Halen or Guns N' Roses or the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Mother's Milk, whatever. My dad would knock on my door and say, hey, turn that down, it's too loud. And I, of course, would say, all right, whatever. And I'd like turn it from eight to about 7.5. And then he'd come and knock on my door again a little bit later, turn it down, you're gonna make your eardrums bleed. Of course, I wanted to rock, so I really didn't do it. And finally, after him asking me three or four times, he'd walk in and say, all right, no records, no tapes. No music for a week. I was grounded from rocking. And of course I got angry, but as I got older, I realized there was some wisdom there. Ah, my dad had told me over and over and over again to quit doing it, and he lost his temper. He got mad. Even though I didn't like it, I wanted to be able to listen to my tapes. I disobeyed, I didn't pay attention. The same way, you can understand that I as a father can get upset. Sometimes when I repeat over and over and over again, people, let's do something or quit doing it. And just like punk me when I was in high school, not listening to my dad, I, as the father, get upset. And over the course of the past couple of weeks, I've talked a bit about some of the frustration that I experience as a priest trying to, to guide and lead the shepherds in the ways of the gospel. The fact of the matter is, sometimes the children don't listen. They don't want to turn down their stereo. They want to keep doing the same thing. As I talked about two weeks ago, hugging certain sins tight, even though they know that eat their souls, we're going to keep doing it. We're going to keep holding them tight. And then last week, talking about the need to get to work, to quit being part of the 80% that just sort of sits in the pew, but to really dedicate ourselves to the gospel. But what I want to talk about today is something that sort of extends on that, those two themes, but to put it maybe in a more positive manner. It's like once my dad would cool down, he'd let me have my tapes back, he'd let me have my records back. Once I cool down, we can kind of focus on what is important and why it is so hard for us, it seems at times, to let go of those sins that we hold tight, to get to work, to really devote ourselves to looking at, looking at the gospel and living the gospel. And I talked about one of the big reasons, or at least a couple of the reasons that we struggle with that, main reason being sort of that spiritual apathy, living the life of the flesh. We just get so used to it, it's hard to really dedicate ourselves to the gospel, to living lives of virtue. But there's something else that happens, I think, particularly from repeated falls, repeated giving in to the flesh, repeated sins, particularly of intemperance. We begin a habit of sinful behavior. We fall over and over and over again. And what ends up happening, and I can tell you I've seen this, shame and guilt begin to set in. We feel so terrible about what we've done. We feel ashamed not only about what we've done, but even more importantly at times, for who we are, particularly when it comes to sexual sins. 
we sort of almost allow it to eat us alive, the shame, the guilt for what we have done. We see ourselves as a bad person. And so what happens is we sort of give up. Well, there's no point. I'm just going to do it again. And we begin this downward spiral, the shame building on shame. We keep acting out more. We sort of throw up our hands and give up. And as a result, that shame makes us hide from others, pushing God away, pushing our friends and family away, and especially pushing me away, the priest, the one who wants to call us out for our sins and call to conversion. We allow the shame to dominate our lives, particularly from repeated habitual sin. We don't even try to get involved. We don't even try anymore to give up. And so what I want to talk about is the positive message of how to overcome this. How not to let that shame win, particularly the shame we feel for the sins that we hold tight. The shame we feel for being lazy in the spiritual life. How can we make progress? And I think the key is what we see in today's second reading. A beautiful letter of St. Paul to the Philippians. The second part of the letter where Paul says, Have in you the same attitude that is also in Christ Jesus. And he goes in that beautiful Christological hymn that said even though he was in the form of God, he didn't deem equality something to be grasped at. Therefore, he took the form of a slave coming in the likeness of men. He humbled himself. He poured himself out taking up the cross in order to die for our sins. This whole passage is an expression of Christ's humility. He was God. He could have had a big lightning bolt in his hand and struck us down. He could have snapped his fingers and fixed everything. But he chose to do it a different way. He chose to come in humility, to give himself totally to our service for our redemption. This self-emptying of Christ in the greatest humility imaginable. And so that is the key. To grow in that humility. To realize that we are sinners. That we need the Lord's help. To pray for it. To strive for it. But sometimes, and here's the key we are not going to be able to, or maybe we are unwilling to do it ourselves. To say, I'm gonna start growing in humility, praying the litany of humility, putting other people first, putting myself last. That's the positive action of working towards humility. Sometimes we don't achieve it that way. So the Lord opens up another path, and that is the path of our sin. The path of our fallenness. The path of our weakness and our mistakes. Because that sin that we commit, particularly the one we repeatedly do, that we hold on to, our own spiritual laziness, it brings about shame in our lives, but it can also bring about a great humility. Humility realizing how imperfect we are. How much we're in need of God's grace. How much we cannot do it ourselves. And therefore those falls can make us humble. It might be much better for us to do it a different way. 
to practice humility as Jesus did. But if that doesn't work, then the falls, our sinfulness, can make us terribly, terribly humble. And so facing that, we have two options. Option number one, looking at our sin, looking at our weakness, looking at our falls, we can allow the shame to just eat us alive and the guilt. I'm no good. I I can never do any better. I'm just going to resign myself to a life like this. I'm going to give up going to church. I'm just going to sort of be along for the ride. I'm not going to go back to confession because I'm too ashamed. Fine, we can do that. Give in to sloth, give in to spiritual apathy. Or option number two is to use our own sinfulness and fallenness as a way to grow in holiness. And I'm not saying, oh, I'm going to go in holiness. I'm going to go pick up a couple of prostitutes. That's not what I'm saying at all. But our own weakness, our own fallenness, even those sins that we have a hard time letting go of, even our own laziness, to say, Lord, I want to use this as a means of sanctification to make me more dependent on you because I realize I can't do it myself. It's a very humbling thing to admit, a very humbling thing to say. So our own weakness can push us further away from Jesus where we hide out of shame or it can draw us closer to him. The reason I bring that up is because today is October 1st. As many of you may know, it is the feast day of the memorial of St. Therese of Lisieux. It's a saint we all hear a lot about. The little flower. She lived in the last part of the 19th century. She died at the age of 24 from tuberculosis. She entered a Carmelite convent at the age of 15. Lived most of her life hidden. But she became one of the greatest saints of all time. Not by working any great miracles, not by writing any super sort of sermons, but by living what she called the little way and putting it in some of her letters and putting it in that manuscript, that book that we know called The Story of a Soul, her spiritual autobiography. And once she died and the book got out and her story got out, it spread like wildfire. She was canonized just a few years later and is now considered one of the great saints, a doctor of the church. And so it's the little way of St. Therese that is the key to understanding what I'm talking about today. Because I think most of us think, well, what is the little way? The little way is the little French saying, and we do small things with great love. That's wonderful, that's true, absolutely. But it's really not the heart of what the little way is. I'm not making a phone call, I'm trying to find a a quote in here, so don't, don't worry. I didn't have a chance to write it down today. The key of the little way is accepting our own fallenness, accepting our own imperfection, accepting our own weakness and sinfulness, and making it a bridge to bring us closer to Jesus. Even those sins that we cling on to, that we're ashamed of, even our laziness and our unwillingness to put forth any sort of effort to grow in the spiritual life, that can be a path the drawing closer to Jesus. And so there's so many quotes that we can give from St. Therese, and this is one I've used before, but it's the one that sort of encapsulates everything that she tried to teach and everything that I'm trying to make a point in today. She says, of course we should like to suffer generously and nobly. We should like never to fall. 
never to fall in sin, never to fall in weakness. What an illusion. What does it matter if I fall every moment? And that way I realize my weakness and the gain is considerable. If you are willing to bear in peace the trial of not being pleased with yourself, that's the shame that comes from our sin, the guilt that we beat ourselves up, she says you will be offering the divine master a home in your heart. It is true that you will suffer because you will be like a stranger to your own house. But do not be afraid. The poorer you are, the more Jesus will love you. I know that he is better pleased to see you stumbling in the night along a stony road than walking in the full light of day upon a path carpeted with flowers because these flowers might delay your advance. That's something that sort of is counterintuitive. We should figure that if we're going to be a saint, we're never going to make a mistake. We're going to go down that path and everything's going to be easy and the Lord's going to sustain us. But to us, it's quite the opposite. Very well, if we do that, then we can let pride take over. But if we're stumbling and falling, we never want to do it for the sake of stumbling and falling, like I said. But if we are struggling, if we're wrestling with our own self-image because of that and the shame, that is a way the Lord can transform us. But we've got to let Him. We've got to give it to Him. But so often we don't because we let the shame win. Instead of a behind-chewing, Instead of leaving it at, hey, people, cut it out, like my dad did, I'm trying to offer the conclusion as a message of hope. That's what St. Therese offers to us, a message of hope. There's no need to let the shame and the guilt rule your life. To see yourself as unloved or unlovable by Christ because of the sinful acts that you commit, that any of us commit. We need that humility that comes from admitting, you know what, I am a sinner. I'm imperfect. I'm weak. I'm fallen. I goof up. I make mistakes. But I don't want to anymore. I know that I may still do so, but I'm going to take all of this and give it to Jesus instead of allowing it to push us further away of hiding from him. And so we come to him with that, even our repeated sin, the sins that we hold close, even our laziness, our pathetic attitude quite often to living the faith, Jesus is willing to show mercy and shower his grace, but he can't make us want it. He can't force us to do it. We've got to be willing to give it to him. And so I'm going to offer a few very clear practical steps, things that pretty much are common sense. But I think most of you know it and probably could hear it again. The first and most important, they all start with a C. The first is go to confession. I know you don't want to, but go to confession. Go and bring these sins and say, Lord, I am a sinner. I need your help. And we may not like to. Father may give you a penance that you don't like. He may tell you, hey, cut that sin out. But it's a way for us to grow in humility by admitting that we are sinful, not just to the priest, but ultimately to Christ. The second C is connect to other people. Quit trying to do it alone. Because when we have the shame and the guilt, we isolate ourselves. Reach out to others. Say, you know what? I I've been really messing up. I got a serious problem with drinking or with porn or with whatever. I need your help. It's humbling, absolutely it's humbling. And that's the way that others who are journeying with you 
can help you keep accountable. And then finally, the C of conversion. Quit clinging to your sin and cling to Jesus. Turn the other way. Change your mind like we see the people in today's gospel. Convert. Give your life to Christ and he will sustain you. This is the path to holiness. This is the little way and it's a message to hope. Of hope. And so I'm going to conclude with another very brief quote from St. Therese, which I think is something good for us to meditate on this week. Because we have that intention to put away and to give and let go of those sins that we hold on to. To start working for the sake of the gospel. She says, the saints accept themselves the way they are and make use of their imperfections to raise themselves nearer to God. Our own imperfections and our faults are not meant to bring the shame and the hatred of ourselves that push us away from God, but in fact are the way that we can grow in humility by admitting that we are not perfect and reaching out and clinging to Christ. Amen.